Welcome to Ag in Conversation, where Emily and Mavamway, two friends and agri-optimists from Otago, New Zealand, sit down weekly to digest the hottest topics in the world of ag, bringing a deeper level of discussion and understanding to the issues and opportunities faced by agriculture and rural communities both in New Zealand and around the globe. Good morning, Mavemwe. How are you going today? How has your week been? Oh, good, thank you. Um, how's how's yours been? Mine was very hectic, but really enjoyable in the end. Yeah, good. Um, yeah, no, I had a great weekend actually. We, I was away, got away with the Escalator Girls, which is where Mavemwe and I met last year, um, and it was epic to reconnect with our crew and um, take some time out. And we were up in Pudding Hill Lodge, which is near Methven. Um, excellent location for a big group or for um, like a small conference there was quite a few chalets and a bit of a function area um, yeah it was just the perfect place to um, get away from it all and um, spend some time with some special people so no that was awesome and then we've been up in Christchurch and come back but you've you've been all over the shop you've been in Waikato and Christchurch um, on the farm <laughs> Anything you haven't done? Uh, yeah, it's been a bit of a how much can I fit into a few days. Um, so after watching Emily's eight row on, on the live stream in their qualifying heats, um, I got offered a ticket to fly up to watch them race at um, Caterpillar up in Cambridge. So that was absolutely awesome. And it was so cool just to surprise her. The look on her face was worth all the drama and the fuss to get away mad dash to get the farm all sorted but then it did mean that I ended up missing seeing all the ladies at your getaway which sounds absolutely brilliant and then I went and caught up with a friend yesterday uh, for another business I've run and we were just trying to sort our heads around everything for the strategic planning so yeah feels good to be across that now back home to get ready for some pretty big exciting stuff this week which I'm quite nervous about on farm but should be really good once it's done and dusted. Yeah, exciting times. Yeah, it feels like it's been, um, February's kind of come and the year's sort of kicking off with gusto, isn't it? Everyone's back on board with meetings and board meetings and that swing of things is just, yeah, really coming back around. Um, so to kick off this Certainly. week's content, the first article that caught my eye over the weekend, um, and I think it's something I'd been thinking about for a while on the supermarket shelves, was the absence of Coomera. Um, so it's something that I haven't been able to purchase down here for quite some time. There's been organic Coomera for sort of $20 a kilo, which um, was a choice that I made not to purchase that. Um, but I sort of then started looking into it, and there was a few articles over the weekend as well about where has the Coomera gone. Um, and so Coomera is mostly grown in Northland. I mean, there's a wee bit in Gisborne and Hawke's Bay. I mean, they were heavily devastated by the heavy rain um, last season in 2023, 2022-2023 uh, season. Um, so even before Cyclone Gabriel came through, they'd already lost 30 to 40% of their crop. And then Cyclone wow. just basically wiped the rest out. Mm. Gosh, um, awful. And so terrible. So, of course, October, November, December, there's their planting season, and then they harvest February to April. So... We're sort of coming out the end of a cycle of their crops being devastated. Um, and basically what that meant was 1,500 tonnes of Coomera didn't hit our supermarket shelves, which oh some you know, farmers are estimating, you know, the 
the revenue loss is in the millions, as you can imagine. Um, and so there was basically no Coomera um, exported, is what they said, into the domestic market this year. Um, and they've actually had to import Coomera even for their seeds because that was how devastated the crop was at the end of last year. Oh my god! Which is really interesting. Yeah, really interesting, really. Um, and and quite sad for all those growers, you know, to go through a whole season with um with no income. And one of the interesting things that I saw was that um you know proper crisps they have a bag of Coomera chips. And one thing that you might have noticed on the supermarket shelves was they're now selling sweet potato crisps or chips or whatever you want to call them. Um, and the reason they've changed the name is because they're purchasing that potato from Australia because they weren't able to get it from their Kiwi supplier. Um, and obviously over there they're called Sweet Potato and it's Coomera here. Um, and so they're trying to source the similar kind of um, uh, breeds of Coomera, I guess you'd say, but Sweet Potato, um, and get just to keep them the business going and keep um, it on the shelves. But they have made a commitment that um, they're going to return to their New Zealand supplier once um, the supply, the harvest starts coming through, and and that should be in the coming months, which um, which is really great because what I think all indications are showing is that this year um, they're going to have a good harvest, and they're confident that they should be back up in and running um, as the harvest comes on in the next couple of months, which is excellent news for our, us eaters because that should mean that the price of Coomera comes down significantly and we shouldn't be looking at prices that are two, three, four times what the sort of average is. Um, so, yeah, hopefully that's a bit better of a, wow. a year. But do you guys partial to a bit of Coomera? Lovey? Oh, fam yeah, absolutely love Coomera. I always used to joke that I couldn't move back to the UK because I'd miss Coomera chips and onion dip too much. So the two reasons I'm still in New Zealand, nothing to do with the rest of it. Um, but yeah, absolutely love Coomera. And sweet potatoes just don't taste the same in my mind. Um, I don't know if that's completely in my head, but yeah, I had noticed that there was a complete lack of Coomera. And then where there were Coomera, it was like crazy money. Um, I even had a wee TikTok search on this after you um, highlighted that this is what you wanted to talk about. And it's amazing, actually. There's a heck of a lot of information out there about people just going to the shops and quite concerned about what's happening to their Kumara. So really looking forward to, hopefully, the weather behaves up there. I don't think they're going to get any rain anytime soon anyway. So they should be safe and they should be able to get that Kumara up out of the ground so we can start digging in. Yeah, and so one of the things that the farmers I saw were concerned about was that, um, and this is always a way that it works in the supermarket, is purchasers are going to have replaced Coomera on the plate um, with another crop and that maybe, you know, there's going to need to be a bit of an education or a readjustment before um, we all sort of jump back on the Coomera bandwagon. But I don't know about okay. you, but I just, I just feel like people are going to be excited to see it back in the supermarkets and back in their supermarket trolleys. Yeah, I mean, definitely. It's I been a good long time. Yeah, and I think it's such a unique kiwi vegetable. It's not like it can be easily replaced with something else. You know, if we bought potatoes in from another country and we suddenly, you know, sell the Omaruni potatoes or what have you. Um, no, I'd say most people would just be like, oh, wow, fantastic. Coomera back and they don't cost an arm and a leg and we just get straight into it. 
what you mentioned before as well about the proper crisps and how they or chips as you call them here how the, how the proper crisps have said that they're going to go straight back to the New Zealand suppliers once the supply is available that's really great to hear because it would be quite easy for them not to I'm sure they could probably get the sweet mm. really cheaply overseas but it's great to hear that they're supporting the New Zealand growers yeah absolutely so we interesting to see that they do stick to their word on that but um yeah and I think it was quite good really that they sort of that they they did actually purchase um all the Coomera they could in New Zealand and then top it up with Australia but it was yeah largely Aussie crop because we just had had nothing it was all devastated yeah. um so yeah hopefully in the next couple of months like as we get towards March we should we should see um that Coomera coming back down so I guess all we can say is get out there and support those Coomera growers because the when we do see it branded as Coomera, um, that is, yeah, a New Zealand product. So that should be really exciting to have that back on the table in the very near future. Yes, looking forward to that. Um, mm. So the next thing that I saw as I was reading the um, the media in the weekend and researching for this podcast um, was discussion around this complex balancing act has seemed to come up again and I, I mean there's always something talking about it but um the the environment climate change profit product um production and biodiversity um it's just not getting any easier there's this massive conundrum um rabobank have published a report global dairy tr companies um taking the lead in reducing greenhouse gas emissions is the title Whew. Um, and, you know, they're talking about how dairy companies, to reach their goals, they're going to have to accelerate the adoption of on-farm GHG emiss emission reduction um, measures um, and that, you know, these things are going to take time. There's nothing new, but they're sort of saying, you know, we're going to get pushed into doing them because going forward, the combination of increased competition for milk because um, there's downward pressure in Europe um, and then New Zealand, you know, there's going to be competition um, and there's going to be a lot of power. So it's quite interesting seeing that. And then on the other side of it, down in um, Southland is a great example. Um, obviously, we're trying to reduce these carbon emissions. Um, and then there's billions of dollars going into wind and solar and geothermal projects. But what's happening on the other side of that is... Um, they're creating a, a lot of frustration in some of these rural communities where these projects are being done um, around, um, you know, the potential eyesore or the environmental side of it, having them actually in the community. Um, and is that engagement enough? Um, they're saying, you know, the, the proponents and the investors are saying, well, look, they're following the RMA. They can't be expected to go above and beyond, but um, the community is wanting more of an input. And it's quite tricky, really, when you look at it. So we've got one side of the argument saying our um, dairy companies worldwide, and, you know, obviously Fonterra is one of, the, one of them, um, is basically demanding that we drop emissions from our milk or you know we can apply the same thing to our beef and lamb products but this is I was reading about dairy that we drop the emissions um basically to com maintain competitiveness but we can't do that in isolation of biodiversity water quality and welfare they called it a triathlon um yeah. but then on the other side one of the things that we do have is electrification but then we've got 
um, a lot of issues around we want that but not in our backyard. Um, and I guess to some aspects as well, there's the diversification aspect of putting this electric um, or wind or whatever on your land. And it's oh, I, it's it's like a seesaw. I don't it, or a merry-go-round. It's impossible to balance, and it's a um, a really tricky situation that is playing out in our rural communities at the moment. Um, and there was a lot of talk from the government in the election process about all of the legislation and the RMA and what's happened. Um, and there's not much hitting the ground yet. So have you got any thoughts or have you been involved in any of this, Mummy? Like, have you, yeah, any anything Yeah, so of course of the dairy... Um, yeah, the ta- dairy targets are really affecting us they'll really affect us on farm as we go forward trying to meet those targets but i actually see those as possibly the best way to go rather than government legislation i think market driven and an on-farm individual farm basis is a lot better way to measure these things rather than trying to do as a whole as a group it makes things a lot harder um you'll you'll be across the freshwater farm policies that coming out here in otago at the moment we've had ours start here in otago the target regional council zone um they can be used as a great tool to make on-farm changes set targets set goals work with the council work with their auditors to reach targets on an individual farm basis rather than where we're seeing people are getting quite annoyed with the land and water plans where they're broad brush strokes they're cut all your nitrogen for this whole area well that might not affect so-and-so up the way who's miles away from any waterways, has no waterways on their farm, you know, has a totally different set of issues, might have a, a native skink in their tussock. You know, it's really, I think going back to that on individual farm basis is probably where we're going to make the mm. most progress. And that's where I think the Fonterra, you know, milk supplier type models, where it'll be just worked into our farm assessments, work best i mean no one loves those uh, but they are probably set up the best way to succeed when it gets to the uh wind farms etc that you're talking about there in southland um reminds me of my teen years back in wales this was a huge issue because wales obviously has plenty of wind and a great perfect place low population in mid wales for wind farms and so they were chucking wind farms up all over the place and it was leading to huge um well contention from the local communities basically no one wanted them and we learned in GCSE geography all about nimbies not in my backyard and a lot of people do slightly have that um yes yes I want to save the planet I really want you know renewable energy but can it not be here if it could not be on the hill behind my house. And to be honest, you know, I don't find the wind farms very offensive at all, but each to their own. I mean, I don't live next to one either, so I don't know what it's like. We obviously, a lot of the power mm-hmm. here in the Waitaki Valley is renewable, of course, because we have the great big Meridian dams uh, and they're really quite efficient. The, the wind farms, mm, there's a bit of thought backwards and forwards on how efficient they are given what it costs and all the emissions that go into actually building them, everything from the concrete, I don't need to say this to an engineer, but everything from the concrete to getting it up there and ready to go actually isn't offset by its entire usable life in some instances. So I was talking to someone else about this recently and actually the best um, energy source is nuclear, which is 
a terrible thing for a Kiwi to hear and we can't ever get involved with that or get on board with that and I wouldn't expect this to but the way the world's going in order to be more efficient it's we're going to end up with issues like that do we want a wind farm in our backyard or do we want a nuclear power plant and uh, obviously not something we'll be worrying about here in New Zealand but around the world that's what they're they're looking at and, and a really serious issue to sort of make a call on yeah absolutely and I think as well we've got to weigh them all up right and I think one of the big things is the um, diversification and if we are dropping stock numbers or are you know um, fencing off land and it's not being able to be used we've got to get income from other places and some of our unproductive land is really good for some of this renewable energy um, construction and production and I think that it's just another thing that we're going to have to look at and weigh up in the rural landscape is um, something that needs to be taken into consideration so yeah it's really interesting to see that um, there's two, you know, there's always two sides to every story, but to see the complexities of this all playing out, and you know, over the same weekend, we've got articles saying, no, 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 we have to reduce, and then articles saying, well, not in my backyard, you know, I don't want yeah. those things around. Um, Very much so, and... but it's, it, there's an opportunity for uh, farmers to do this themselves. So the owners here on this property have put in solar panels all on the cow shed so the cow shed power is all paid back um on top of the calf sheds to help run the pumps at the at the water pumps and the effluent pump down at the dairy shed then we've got another pumping station further up the farm they've put in a huge um couple of banks of solar panels again and he's always said you know we need to get to the point where you guys can have electric bikes and you can just plug in and i'll put in a plug so that you can just run them straight off the solar. So again, back to what I said with the Fonterra and taking it to an in, an in, uh, the integrated farm plans, uh, freshwater farm plans, sorry. The, if we take it back to an individual farm level, there's probably quite a lot we can actually do. And perhaps if the government focused a little less on, or government or regional councils, whoever, um, less on you know putting on legislation onto everyone and instead focused on how can we encourage uptake of these options perhaps we probably get somewhere a bit quicker yeah absolutely and like you always say you know how do we make this attractive to people while well, reducing some costs energy massive cost um is really attractive mm -hmm. and that makes it um, more interesting and then we can look at how we connect that back to the grid for any um additional energy that we aren't using on the farm um, which then creates income and you know you haven't even used any land you've just put it on the roof of existing buildings and obviously structurally there's a few things that we need to make sure those buildings are sound to put them on but there are a lot of buildings around that we could be utilizing without even taking up land exactly any more land no no it's fantastic yeah um, that's exactly it yeah so really interesting and i think we'll see this play out more um is the like you said the market pressure and also we get towards some of the more meaty targets in the ghg emissions reduction schemes and then as um whatever is happening with the rma comes to fruition as well um because we're still working under the old rma but then there's a few it's a bit confusing and it's a bit unsure about what the new government's actually going to do there um and how that all plays into it because 
I think in reality, there is going to be probably some changes at the very minimum mm-hmm. to the RMA mm-hmm. and how that works out and plays through with um, the practicalities of shifting to a low carbon or a carbon neutral or a zero carbon um, country, yeah. which is the direction that we're currently traveling. Yeah. And in a capitalist and society, again, I, think, I think, you know, money speaks and if we're getting rewarded for or we're not going to be able to sell our product if we don't, uh, for these practices, mm. we pretty soon will adapt and move on. Yeah, absolutely. And I think at the end of the day, rural communities, rural people, rural land is going to play a big part in it because wind and solar generation requires land. Yeah, very true. At, at the bottom of it. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these all come to fruition and... Um, the next couple of years or just over this term of government, I suppose. And it can be a good earner for rural communities. We even looked at our, we've got a tiny wee hall here and, you know, funding it that needs some renovations, needs some work. And, and our, our farm owner is the chair of the group. And he said, well, let's just put solar panels out in that paddock that we own, lease that out to them, and that will be a nice, healthy chunk of money that comes in regularly. I think it's like 25-plus year leases at the moment. And that's, it's a great way. So it can be used in a positive way to benefit rural communities, perhaps, if we're smart about it. Yeah, absolutely. And I guess at the end of the day as well, that is, um, what do they call it? They sort of, you know, you don't have to keep, as the landowner, you're not keep putting effort into it. It's sort of a, um, a income stream that you're not sort of working in daily. Yeah. So you can focus on your, your energy and your other things. Absolutely. Um, so the final thing I wanted to kind of chat about that popped up over the weekend, I saw it in Countrywide and I saw it on Stuff, um, was the new initiative called Checking In. So it's been one year since Cyclone Gabriel um, and people up there are still doing it really tough. Um, and as as we can just imagine, you know, the build back process is slow and they haven't had a break. There's been a lot of, um, big rain events all year um, and so what is happening is there is a collaborative rural well-being project called the check-in and it's being run by the agri Women's development trust rural women farm strong with support from the um, rural support trust and it's funded by mpi so that's awesome and they're running a whole range of events um, across the spectrum across the north island um, I'll give you a wee taster. There is um, there is uh, the Agri Development Trust. You matter. Um, there is the comedy night show. Some of these are starting quite soon, and some of them are, are further out. They're sort of over a range of time period. I've um, got some community barbecues. Um, Rural women that's, have got a number of events, and then they've got some sort of know your mindset um, thing, and then personal favorite event actually and it's only because i'm pretty jealous that i don't live anywhere near it is the bitches box which is a comedy <laughs> evening by emma newborn and amelia dunbar and that Amelia's actually um from up the rakaia gorge so yeah bit of a south island and they pretend they're dog characters and it apparently i've never seen it which really just kind of gets me but it's hilarious apparently fast pace and not to be missed and there is a good smattering of events through april and may so i think if you're near one of them you'd be 
doing yourself a disservice if you didn't turn up. Um, but I would highly encourage you to jump online and check out the website. We'll link it in the show notes, checkingin.co.nz um, to yep. see what's on near you and take part. But yeah, that cyclone, devastating. And the fact that we're still rebuilding, obviously that's just how long it takes because of the devastation. But I think it's awesome to see um, the support that they're getting from the country um, in an ongoing fashion. And I think it shows how much we've learned as well. I lived in Christchurch during the earthquakes. Um, and at times it felt like the rest of the country had moved on. Meanwhile, you know, we still didn't have a septic system up and running. Yeah. So I think that we're still providing these people support is just absolutely fantastic. But potentially a bit of a hats off to rural people and rural communities continuing to check in on people. Yeah, I think it's a fantastic idea. I'd heard a little bit about the check-in a while ago, but I sort of thought they'd sort of wound that up. But it's really great to hear that they are putting such an effort into making sure that people are still being connected with because they always say after a crisis or a disaster like that, there's all the adrenaline for so long and it runs for so long through your system and it's not until that is all played out and you're usually you know six months down the line and you crash and people really need each other. They really need that mental health support. They mm. need someone to, to go, come on, we're going along to watch these hilarious women role-playing dogs or whatever this comedy show is it sounds hysterical um yeah so they just need to get out and if you are on the fence and you live up there and you think oh probably not i'll just stay home you're probably exactly the person who needs to go out uh because it's often that feeling of wanting to stay home all the time and not really wanting to get out in the world that is a quite an indicator of depression setting in so i really hope that um any listeners from up north or any friends we know from up north and who can get to these, um, go and gather up their friends and go along because it's so great. And, and like you said, rural communities, they're doing what they do best. I just love how everyone always comes together and helps each other out. It's something we should really, really treasure in New Zealand. Yeah, absolutely. And I totally agree. And I think it's also a case of if you don't use it, you'll lose it. And often, you know, we don't get these opportunities out close to us. So make the most of not having to drive all the way to town to have a good night out. <laughs> um, Very true. Yeah. yeah. Any excuse wanted... doesn't mean you have to go on a long drive is always good. Totally. The other thing I just wanted to touch on actually was the courses that Agri Woman Development Trust is putting on. There's two lots of them. Um, I personally haven't done either, but I know people who've done most. The first one is You Matter. Um, and so... That is being held in four locations. The first one starts today. Probably not very ideal, but they're starting quite soon. So get onto it. Um, and these ones are specifically for people that have been affected by um, bad weather. But what the UMeta course is actually about is taking some time out and learning more about yourself, giving yourself permission to pause and reconnect and gain some new skills like self-awareness, how to use your strengths and values, practical tools to support your well-being and that of your community and team around you, um, goal setting and connections. And I think both of us, Mavenwe, couldn't be bigger um, proponents and supporters of the work that Agri Women's Development Trust do following our um, course at Escalator last year. So 
I just think they're fantastic. Absolutely. The courses are going to be yeah. amazing. The women you're going to meet are going to be fantastic. So if you have the opportunity to go to that one, would be yeah phenomenal. There is a secondary option, and this is called Know Your Mindset, Lead the Recovery. So I think they did a couple of these last year, um, and they were more for farming partners, but they weren't Know Your Mindset, Lead the Recovery. It was more about well-being, and I think these ones are really going to be great because they're targeted towards the cyclone recovery. Um, they're specific for the food and fiber sector and the leaders within that. You're all leaders, so you yeah, don't feel like that's not you. Um, and this one is going to be training for rural leaders building back up. So um, you're going, it's for men and women, which is particularly important to know because it is the Agri Women's Development Trust putting it on, but it's for both men and women. And there's two sessions. The first session, understand the impact of uncertainty, disruption and change and how that's having an impact on your behavior. Um, and then the second one is how to support others. So I think that's really important for anyone um, who has been through change but also anyone who has a team and they're trying to lead them through that because mm. even if your operations haven't been impacted heavily or severely um, your team are still dealing with a whole lot of changes to their daily life in terms of like living conditions accessibility to services even um, their connection to whānau and their general um I guess community services could be impacted as well. So, yeah, another great one um, to be joined and connected into. Um, that just happens online, so that's fantastic. There's two sessions and there's two different um, workshops and they're both online, 6.30 to 8 p.m. Uh, oh, one's at night and one's in the morning. So there you go, there's, there's lots of options um, to make sure that you can get to everything and it's encouraging partners or teams to all join in together um, to ensure that they're yeah, feeling less alone, um, workplace culture is positive and yeah, developing empathy and filling your cup up. So I just think yeah, Fantastic. there's some really cool things yeah, that's that the really chicken good, is Emma. leading. That's awesome, really awesome and that so, would be so good because yeah. sometimes you can be so, um, you can't see the wood for the trees I think is the expression. You can be so in a situation and you can mm. think you're doing really well and you probably are, but it's always worth touching base, just doing this stuff together. And especially if you're doing it in a group, you can see other people are going through the same things, things people have learnt, um, some coping mechanisms, some things to look for, like you said, in your staff, because they may not be handling things as well as you thought they were. And any any reflection you can do on your own leadership can only help you in those sort of circumstances so it'll be a win-win for everyone it's really great that they're chucking those on really isn't it yeah absolutely yeah so jump on the website i'm going to link it um to the show notes and it'll be all over our socials as well so yeah um yeah make sure you get involved so to close out this is a surprise for you Mabemwe. um and following on from our uh discussions about the eu protests last week um, and mm -hmm. some of the photos that I put on social media around bailing the Arc de Triomphe, um, somebody in Tapuna has gone and bailed a roundabout. Um, and so who knows what this is sort <laughs> of um, in, in reference to, but there's a good roundabout. I'll, put, I'll make sure I'll throw the photo up. And they've got some nice large squares going there. So I think it could be a bit of a nod <laughs> to um, the council or NZTA not keeping the lawns in check. But I think that's just fantastic. <laughs> so there's, yeah, there's, they've got four or five bales out of quite, it's a reasonable size roundabout, but that's still a lot of grass. Um, so thank you very much to one of our listeners <laughs> for sending that in. 
Um, that is just fantastic. And let's hope that it's not some serious protest um, going on and it's just someone doing some community good. <laughs> well, someone's horses are going to be very grateful to get that A or whatever they made on there. That's absolutely brilliant. Why not? Waste not, want not. Right, yeah. <laughs> Thanks for joining us as we chewed the fat on what is front of mind in the ag world this week. We look forward to sharing next week's episode with you. Head to our socials and let us know what you think. We welcome all feedback and would love suggestions on what you want us to dive into next. If you enjoyed the episode, we would really appreciate if you showed your support by sharing, liking and rating our podcast. It really helps us reach new listeners. Thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week.